Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by Carrier. Turn to the experts. Gene, this is Jim. How can I help you? Hi, thank you for taking my call. Oh, Gene. I've got um, soaker hoses around my foundation, and I'm wondering what is the length that I'm supposed to water? Um, okay. And I just started doing that. Well, the first thing on soaker hoses, yeah, the first thing to tell you on soaker hoses is they work very well for watering the foundation. However, city pressure comes out between 55 and 80 PSI. And so typically we get a lot of water at the beginning of the hose and not much at the end of the hose. So the first thing I'm going to tell you is undo the hose, take that little plug out that it has in there, which it's that little disc with a, a small eighth inch hole in it, throw that thing away and get you a pressure reducer that drops the city pressure down to around 20 PSI. The next thing, what is the get a timer, a battery operated uh, a pressure reducer or pressure regulator, either one. Okay. And the next thing I'll tell you to get is going to be a battery-operated timer. Uh, they'll run you around. Uh, that, pr that, that pressure reducer regulator is typically going to run you somewhere 8 to $12. They're not very expensive. The next thing you need to get is that timer, a battery-operated timer, programmable timer that hooks onto a hose bib. will run you anywhere from $50 on up, depending on how good a one you get. Uh, and then get you a couple of Ys so that you can send the water off in two directions. And normally what I'll tell you is hook a Y onto the hose bib first and put your watering system going off on one direction. And that leaves you the other side to still hook up a garden hose when you want to use it. Set that timer. And I know this is the question you asked. Set that timer for 15 minutes twice a day. Normally like 7 o'clock in the morning and 7 o'clock in the evening so that you're giving it just a little bit of water on a regular basis because the moisture needs to soak five, six, seven feet down into the ground and sometimes even deeper. Our soils only absorb like an eighth of an inch an hour. So you need to give it moisture on a regular basis to allow it to soak in. If you start getting water that's puddling, you're giving it too much and you need to cut it back. If the, if the uh, ground stays hard and dry, then you need to turn it up some. And you'll have to make some adjustments in the timing depending on how our weather cycles are. Easiest way to check it is take a large screwdriver, stick it in the ground. If you can't get it in the ground because it's too hard and dry, obviously you need more water. If you poke it, poke it in the ground, you pull it out, and it gives you that <laughs> slurpy sound, too much water, cut it back. And if the, if the screwdriver comes out and it's just got moist soil on the end, that's perfect. That's exactly where you need it. And, okay. Gene, if you go to our website, thipro.com, uh, there you'll find the Due West website. I do have detailed instructions written out on the Due West website uh, that you can follow on, on how to do this, as okay. well as a video that shows you how to do it as well. Okay? All right. Thanks so much. And with that, we got to take a quick break for news, traffic, and weather, 1-800-288. 9227. We'll be right back with more Texas Home Improvement.
Joe in Carrollton. Welcome to WBAP. How can I help you? Hey, thanks for taking my call. So um, we have a new home we're building and uh, garage door. I uh, didn't have a choice on the garage door. It's uninsulated, and I've, I've read about putting the uh, uh, styrofoam sheets on the inside of the door. And I've also read about this uh, or heard about this paint. They put it on houses, I guess. It's supposed to help with insulation and, uh, you know, you know, whatever. A radiant barrier uh, paint, yeah. Yeah, I'm a little skeptical of stuff like that. But what's what's your best? Uh, what's your suggestion on uh, doing something to just minimize the heat that transfers through that door? The styrofoam insulation will do you absolutely no good at all, and the main okay. reason it won't, unless you're going to heat and cool the area, insulation absorbs the heat, holds it, and actually will continue releasing heat well into the night. Uh, where a radiant barrier, what it does is actually stop heat transfer. Those paint-type radiant barriers were actually originally developed for military use in storage containers, tanks, uh, armored vehicles, things like that, oh. that, that they okay. had trouble uh, keeping them cool inside. And so, yeah, they actually do work. That was their original wow. development. Okay. Uh, you, you have a third option, and that's to get the bubble wrap type radiant barrier. And if you look at your garage door, it, 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 uh, the, you got the front panel on the outside, and then it makes a turn and comes inside, and then it turns down. So you got this little, typically a half to three-quarter inch lip on You're the right, inside. Right. And you can actually take that bubble wrap type uh, radiant barrier and use sheet metal screws to attach that radiant barrier on the inside of the garage door. So now you've got you know a the, dead air space between the outside panel and the radiant barrier, and that actually works extremely well. I mean, just, just from what you've described, and I appreciate the suggestions, the, the, the paint just sounds so much easier. It's pretty reliable stuff. It's not going to have to be redone every year. No, no, uh, it, it won't have to be redone every year. The only difference is a, the radiant paints typically will block 65% of the radiant heat, and the foil types will block 95%. So you'll have a, a better return using that bubble oh, with the okay. radiant barrier no, than you would with the paint. I'm not familiar with what you describe as the bubble wrap. You're not talking about the stuff that you wrap packages in for the post office. No, no, no. It, if, you go, if you go to any of the box stores... Uh, you're going to find where they have the insulations, uh, you'll find they also carry radiant barriers. And they have one that looks like the bubble wrap. It's got the bubbles on it, but it's got the foil on one side of it. Oh, okay. Okay, I'll look for that. And, and I mean, just ballpark off the top of your head for a two-car garage, what would be my material cost on that? Oh, it's minimal. It, okay, it's very I'm liking minimal. that a lot now. I'm liking that solution a lot. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with me. You bet, Joe. Take care. Dennis, this is Jim. How can I help you? I'm removing some uh, T111 from a uh, wall, and I'm going to replace it with uh, what I would – well, I'm going to ask you what you think would be the best. Uh, I like a, a lap-type siding look uh, that's horizontal. And, James Hardy uh, siding. James Hardy? Yep, without question. It's a, it's a concrete base siding, looks like wood, but way outperforms it. Holds the paint like no other siding will. 
Uh, and you can get it in a color plus where the paint's already baked on at the factory. I really, that that is truly the way to go. I'm going to go with white, so I assume that'd be available. Uh, oh, yeah. Does it need a backer board between the 2 by 4 or the 2 by 6 studs? I'll tell you what, Dennis, if you'll hold on. Let me address that when we come back. When we left, I was talking with Dennis about some James Hardy siding. And Dennis, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay. Your, your question was, do you need to put a uh, backer behind it? Yes. Uh, you know, it is not required, but it is recommended that you have something behind it. And the main reason is it does give it a lot more strength. And it keeps the pieces nice and flat. It, the job will just come out better if you do have something behind it. You mentioned that you have T111 on there right now. Yes. Is it, is it rotted? It's not only rotted, but it's concave between the studs. Okay. Pull that off. And what I typically put on myself is I like to use half-inch plywood. And then put uh, Hardy Wrap or Tyvek over the top of that and then my siding. All right, so that would give me a complete system when use the half-inch plywood, yep. uh, a, a Tyvek or some other similar moisture barrier, Correct. and then, then the hardy board. Yeah, and, and what you'll find is that, that one, it, it, uh, it's going to really seal the house up where you won't have as much air infiltration. Two, your hardy's going to look much better it actually will help somewhat with your energy efficiency, but it's going to stiffen that house up. So, you know, if we get another hurricane, which sooner or later you know, we'll get tornadoes and things like that, uh, you're just you're just going to be that much stronger against damage. Okay. Um, is there a weight concern with that hardy board? Uh, I have to go up no. two stories high on, that, on the wall I'm going to use it on. No, no weight concerns at all. People worry about that all the time, but it's really not as heavy as people think it is. Okay, well, that's, that's good to know. And I have heard that. Uh, uh, some people, oh, you don't want to put that under. It's too heavy. Yep. And I, 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 wanna, I wanted to call you because I know you've got the experience and background to pull from to give me a, a straight shooting answer. You're not selling me anything or uh, being involved in it other than uh, opinion. And so... I value that. Well, I've been told I do have an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Hey, one thing I would take a look at, Dennis, is when you do have uh, take that old siding off, uh, take a look at how your insulation is on the home. How old the home is it? Uh, it's 30 years. Okay. You're probably going to have R11. Uh, and is it 2x4 walls or 2x6? 2x6, but it's R19. That you, you are good with what you've got then. All right. Now, there might be some of that has taken a little water damage, uh, so I'm going to replace it. But uh, Yep. If it, if it has had water damage, replace that piece of it, but the rest of it should be fine. Okay. Well, thank you, Mr. Dutton, and uh, I listen to you regularly and, and, and value your opinion. Well, sir, the next time you call in, it's Jim, okay? All right, Jim. <laughs> All right. Dennis, take care. <laughs> Bye. Bye. 1-800-288-9227. Jerry, how can I help you? Hey, Jim, thanks for taking my call. I had a question. Uh, I just got in on the tail end of it. I, I d didn't get to hear all of it, but the gentleman that was putting the foam board on the new house he was building, was yeah. he putting that on top of a wafer board or just on top of the studs? 
they were putting it on the studs. Well, I'm not a professional like you, but my personal opinion, he's wasting his money. I, that was that was the same thing I said. Oh, did you? Okay, I I didn't hear that part. Yeah, I don't I don't care for it. It just doesn't do. One, it can sweat behind it, but two, it offers no structural strength at all. That's that's the whole point I was going to make right there. When I built my house, I put wafer board on all the outside, and I put it on the decking, and then I shot two inches or more of foam on the inside of that wafer board, even mm -hmm. in the garage. And when they come out to put my security system in, they went up into my attic, and they said, hmm, how come it's so cool up here? Yep. And he said, usually they go in the attic, it's 140, 150 degrees. Yep. And the the savings, it, it it's a little expensive up front, but if he's planning on staying at home any length of time at all, man, he would be money ahead to shoot foam in there. Oh, I, I love the foam on the walls. I don't typically recommend it up in the attic, only because you're sealing the whole structure so tight that now you become dependent on the mechanical air conditioning system to bring in fresh air and things like that. And if there's right. ever any issues, uh, it can it can cause major problems. But beyond that, you are 100% correct. It is very energy efficient, and it's one of the big reasons I, I what I typically recommend is foam the walls and in the attic use a fiberglass insulation so the house can still breathe. And whether you have foam insulation or fiberglass if you got an r39 in the attic it's an r39 uh, right so it can well, go either I way the, i put the bad insulation uh in the ceiling yep. but uh the whole outside of my house decking and everything and i've never had a problem uh with it sweating and i've got seven uh turbines on the top of my house mm -hmm. and in the winter time i stuff them full of bad insulation to keep the cold air from coming in, and I found out in the summertime, one one summer, I didn't pull the bad insulation out, and it didn't change the temperature in my attic at all. Now I leave it in there year-round. I've never had a problem with sweating, moisture, or anything. Yeah. Well, what, what you did, though, when, if by having those turbines up there, and that's normally not done but uh, with the foam insulation, but by having those turbines up there, you were allowing fresh air. Yeah. to exchange and so you're avoiding a lot of the other issues even though you have fiberglass in those holes they right. still allow it to breathe yeah it still gets air through there yep yeah. yeah so so you're avoiding some of the issues that when people seal it up uh, like a like a jar that they're having but i i put uh, instead of having one big huge air conditioner i put three my house is three thousand square feet and i yep. put three separate heating and air conditioner systems in we've got one just for the master bedroom and at night when we go to bed we turn the other two off and only run the one in the master bedroom and the rest of the house surprisingly with that foam in there you you wouldn't believe how it holds oh, yeah. the temperature down even with no air on yep yep It'll okay, do sir, it. i won't take it any more time thank you much jerry you take care you too uh you know when it comes to your home's energy efficiency, and, and we, we've, we've been talking about a lot of that stuff because we've talked about air conditioning, we've talked about insulation and, and different things like that. And, you know, windows make a huge difference. One of the things I want to caution everybody on, 
when you are looking at doing things to make your home more energy efficient, don't spend more than you can recoup. In other words, it doesn't, you know, yeah, you can spend $15,000 to to do something to your house that's only going to save you $200 a year in energy bills. Is that a wise investment? Absolutely not. What you're typically looking for is something that's going to pay for itself in the next eh, three to five years normally on, on most of these type of items. And that's whether you're putting in an air conditioning system, whether you're replacing windows, whether you're, you know, uh, having to do attic ventilation, any of those items. If you're having to shell money out in order to make the home more energy efficient, now that's the only thing I'm talking about is the energy efficiency. Because like windows, for instance, it's, it's more than the energy efficiency. You have the aesthetics of it as well. So that's a different factor. But on energy efficiency items, don't spend dollars to save pennies. Spend dollars to save quarters, <laughs> and they'll add up to cover those dollars. Um, uh, attic ventilation, and, and that came to mind because of where we were talking about with the spray foam insulation, and he still had the whirlybirds. Normally, that is not done. Normally, if you're you know, encapsulating the house with foam insulation, the attic is not vented at all. And that's where you get into where you've got to have an air conditioning system that you can count on, and it's drawing in fresh air from outside uh, to, to maintain the wellness of the home. Otherwise, you can get sick home syndrome uh, because it literally, the, the gases that you as people spew out will build up in the home. The humidity levels can start creating molds and mildews, things that are just not healthy. So. Be careful on, on all these home improvement things because you, you will hear a ton of stuff when it's hot like this being advertised, how it can save you money on your energy bills. And I don't disagree. You know, one of the, one of the items uh, that, I, that I gave him to put in the newsletter that, this week was the misting systems for the outside unit where they put a mister on the unit because it cools the outside unit and it allows your air conditioning system to run more energy efficient to, to cool the house better and stuff. And it absolutely will do that. The problem is when you're using regular water on it, it leaves mineral deposits on the fins of the air conditioning unit. And over a short period of time, just think about your shower glass you know, in, in your shower, how that mineral deposits build up and leave stains. Well, when it does that on the fins, all of a sudden, instead of being more efficient, your air conditioning unit becomes less efficient, and it literally will start costing you money. So you got to take a look at all the ins and outs of all these home improvement or energy efficiency items that people try to sell you, and make a decision. Is this the right one for your home? Anyways, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more Texas Home Improvement. Fletcher, how can I help you today? Yes, sir. I got a 40 by 70 house that uh, needs to ventilate the attic. I uh, don't have solid vents, but I do have an opening from a garage. And used to have uh, turbine vents on the house, 
and my mother had it re-roofed, and anyway, I need to re-ventilate it again. Okay. And I hear about gravity vents. I mean, I don't know why they're not more popular. Everybody, you know, they have power vents or uh, turbines. I don't know why gravity vents wouldn't be better. No moving parts. They just, you know, the air gets high, it rises. Are you talking about a ridge vent? No, not a not a ridge uh, vent. I understand uh, ridge vents are about, about bringing dirt into the attic, what I've heard. But, uh, no, a globe vent or a so-called gravity vent. It's just a, uh, a vent that's made to keep rain from coming in, but, you know, allows the uh, hot air to rise. i, I got to be honest, I've never heard of that one. Okay. Sometimes called gravity vents, and then one, at least one company calls them uh, global vents. But like I say, it's just you can get them in different sizes. I think I probably need about uh, three 12-inch vents for this roof. That's well, to, to figure out the size, take the square footage of the attic space. Okay. And for every 150 square foot of attic space you have, you need one square foot of ventilation. And the ventilation okay. needs to be split between... What's on the attic on on the rooftop for the air to go out, and the soffits for the air to come in? Uh, it's a sixty forty split. Okay. And uh, quite honestly, if you don't have soffit vents, it doesn't matter what type of ventilation you put up on the top; it's not going to be effective until you put soffit vents in. Well, I do have an opening from a garage. Yeah, but that's you know, not enough. It it has to be all over in order okay. to move okay. all the air all over the attic. And don't the old turbine vents seem like to me when I was standing under them this a year ago? Seem like they're trying to bring air down. I don't want air going down. I want to go. Yeah, up. I I am not a fan of turbine vents. I mean, my okay. my my ventilation of choice is a ridge vent first. Then I'll go to a solar powered vent. All right. Af after that, I would go to a air hawk. Then so I would take. That? Air hawks are just a uh, basically a box cover up there that you have an opening like you were just talking about a one foot okay. square opening that has a cover over it. Uh, then I would take a look at turbine vents. My least favorite that I would not put on any house is going to be an electric powered fan because they short out too often and they've just been way too many fires caused by them. Oh uh, wow! My my favorite by far is the ridge vent, and that's what I have on my own house. Okay, so you don't feel like they're bad about bringing dirt in, huh? No, not at all. So I'm in, uh, I'm in a, they have a little screen on them to, you know, to minimize all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it, okay. it properly installed, they do exactly what they're supposed to. Okay, so from my takeaway is 150 per one. That's yep. far footage of area for area event, and 60 yeah. 40, 60 uh, larger openings on the top and and the soffits, huh? Yep. Okay. Okay. You can't tell me anything about globe vents or okay, all right. Thank you. No. Nope. We'll we'll talk to you later. 713-212-5874. We'll be right back. Bill, this is Jim. How can I help you? you know, my question is, I guess it's in reference to radiant barriers. Yeah. And um, the house that I have has uh, the bat type insulation between the rafters as well as above the, you know, between the ceiling joists, above the sheetrock. Uh-huh. And to me, you know, it just doesn't seem like it's right. It seems like that. I shouldn't have that insulation between the rafters. There should nope. be like a radiant barrier there. Yep. So I guess that's my question. Now, 
if you got, and we haven't had this house too long, so I just wanted to check. So you've got insulation both on the attic floor and up on the rafters. Correct, between the rafters. Okay, take what's up on the rafters down, and put it on top of what's on the attic floor. Okay. That you're just going to double your thickness on the attic floor. Typically, what you're looking for is about 15, 16 inches of insulation anyways. How much do you have on the attic floor right now? Uh, there's probably, well, some of it's compressed, and it's somewhat hard to tell, but I would say around 7 8 inches. Yeah, so take what's what somebody put up on that on the raft roof rafters there, move it down on top of the attic floor. Then if you want a radiant barrier, and I do recommend radiant barriers, take a look at a product called Energy Q Radiant Barrier. Uh, okay. You can go to their website. It's energy, the letter Q, dot com. Okay. And it's a re <clears throat> real easy do-it-yourself product, and you can just lay it on top of the insulation on the attic floor because it's a multi-layer system with a thermal break in the middle. And basically okay. what it does is it keeps the, at the, the heat that's in the attic from going into the insulation that way, and that just makes the insulation work that much better. What about uh, on the back side of the plywood between the rafters? I wouldn't worry about it. Okay. Okay. I mean, what was make the sure you got make sure you got good ventilation in the attic, and you'll be fine. Okay. What do you think the thought process was putting that up there like that? Too many people think that that's going to help with the temperature in the attic. Insulation only works when it's in heated and cool space, and your attic's not. Linda, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hi, um, I need some help with locking my front door. Okay. My um, every year when the, the the weather, the extreme weather changes, either real cold or real hot, you know the the settling. Uh -huh. But this is the first year where I've never been able to actually lock the door, and this is the front door of a small condo. And do I do I need to just make the area larger to be able to turn the lock well you need to check two things uh, one it can be it can be that the hinge is wearing and mm -hmm. sometimes as they as they wear or come a little bit loose the door will drop ever mm -hmm. so slightly and the lock won't work and the way you can check that is uh, have the door almost all the way closed but where you can grab the handle on both sides uh -huh. and see if you can pick up on it if you oh. can pick up and the door moves a little bit, okay, mm -hmm. then it's not. Then then you gotta look and see: is there a loose screw, or is it that the door hinge itself is just worn and needs to be replaced? That may okay. be all it is, uh, but more than likely, what it sounds like is you're getting some seasonal movement in the soil. Sure. As it as it moves, it it doesn't lock, and quite frankly, every time we go through those movements like that. Mm -hmm. You know, the soil, when it dries out, shrinks. When it gets wet, it expands, but never quite as much as it was. So each time we go through that cycle, we've got a little bit more settlement to deal with. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably more likely. So what you may want to do is contact the uh, condo management people and say, hey, we're starting to get some movement over here. Can we take a look at maybe getting some soaker hoses to maintain it from getting worse? Okay. Okay. And in the meantime, if, um, like, if it's not the hinge, 
Do uh-huh. do I like I just I need to lock it. Yeah. And <laughs> and for that you can move the striker plate just a, a little bit and and be able to lock oh, okay. it that way. Okay. A little trick yeah. for you when you have to move a striker plate like that because you've already got holes drilled. If yes. you'll take the screws out, take toothpicks, wooden toothpicks, and fill the holes. Now okay. you're able to stick screws in, uh, you know, just a fraction of an inch down without okay. them sliding into the old hole. Gotcha. Okay, so that's what that's called, striker plate. Yep. A striker okay. plate. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Take care. And and that's an old trick to to fill those holes with like toothpicks or wooden matchsticks, things like that. Just fill it with the wood to make it more solid, where you can put a screw in. Jody, can I help you? I am. Uh, I'm building out my garage. I'm turning it into a temporary second living room or second living room to have you know friends, family over when I need to. I'm putting planning to a- attach a third zone to my two zone air conditioning system. Is uh-huh. the idea anyway? And run run a couple of vents, a return vent, and then uh, you know build out the garage real nice. But I still want to park in there uh, on a full time basis, except the day of an event where I'm going to have my garage open to have someone in a couple times a month. Uh, my question is, I've had three bids on the air conditioning. All three say it can be done, but the bids range from $600 all the way to $2,000. And, and that's driving me a little nuts. That's it's such a wide range. And then secondly, uh, you know, I haven't, I forgot to ask the question. And I need to know: should I put insulation on the top of the garage? Because there's no insulation on the exterior wall and on the top uh, above, right. right in the attic. So that's my question. Okay. Well, first, insulation only does you any good if you're going to heat and cool it. And for what you're talking about doing, using it on a limited basis that way. I really wouldn't recommend insulating it. Uh, and the main reason being the, insul- the the rest of the time when you're not air conditioning it, the insulation is going to absorb the heat and actually hold that heat through the night. And so the, the garage will actually never cool down. Oh, uh, okay. That's good info. Yeah. So what you'll really want it, what you're better off doing in that type of situation is having a little bit more air conditioning going into it. Uh, and that way, the rest of the time, the garage will be better temperature-wise. Now, as far as the cost of the cost that you were talking about, is that just for running the ductwork and stuff, or, or is there any mechanical equipment involved? So it's, it's adding a third. So my my control my zone controller turns out it can accept a third zone. Yep. I want to have its own thermostat in the garage and its own return vent and two registers. Uh, okay. Or two or three register, whatever is required. I want it to be good, but uh, and that's so that's for the the thermostat, two registers, a return vent, and then attaching it to the zone system. Six hundred dollars will not buy that. Okay. It will not even buy the equipment to do that. It sounds like to me somebody's getting maybe something that fell off a a truck type deal. You know, something under the table. Yeah. Uh, typically you're going to be looking at a minimum of probably twelve to fifteen hundred dollars for the type of stuff you just described okay so that's so my low bid i can just throw it out the window and just yeah both, makes, both the other bids are are the other bids are thirteen hundred and seventeen hundred you're in the, you're in the right range there okay okay well thank you very much for the call you bet take care sam 
Welcome to Texas Home Improvement. How can I help you? How are you, Jim? Thanks for taking my call. I'm doing great. Uh, we just finished. My home was built in 1960, and we just finished a renovation where we stripped it down to the studs, redid all the duct work. Um, but, the, you know, the insulation in the attic was all, I guess, original or we never did anything for the last 13 years, and we lost a lot of insulation. And, and I'd like to get some new stuff, but I had a company come down and tell me the best thing to do is remove the remaining, clean it all up, seal um, all the, you know, all the plate parts where the um, uh, uh, lights are, and and then you know put a different type of insulation on it. And it was it was pretty expensive. And I was just wondering if maybe I can, if it makes sense without doing the whole cleanup, if I could just blow new. Um, fiberglass insulation, I felt that'll do the trick. What is the old fi insulation? Was it fiberglass or something else? It was a mixture of wool, fiberglass, you know. Yeah. Okay. The wool over time will tend to degrade and turn to dust, but quite honestly, if it was my house, all I would do is add fiberglass on top of it. Uh huh. No reason to spend six grand cleaning everything out and sealing all types mm. of holes. Not a bit. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was easy enough. Now, you know, the whole thing is, by doing that, are you ever going to recoup that six grand in energy savings? Absolutely not, because you can simply put more insulation in there and get the same effect. Is the old stuff going to cause you any damage? No. And as far as sealing around the lights and stuff, the way they do it on new construction nowadays is everything is caulked from the inside of the house and sealed, you know, where the, where the AC registers come through, canister lights, all that stuff. The sheetrock itself is sealed around all the openings uh -huh. with just caulking. You can do that on, on your existing home. And guess what? Well, you now have the new, the new way of doing it. Yeah. Well, this guy said leaving the wool there will make it get moldy and create, you know, mold upstairs and gives it oh, it'll get. Absolutely yeah. not. Unless it gets wet from something, it will not mold. Uh-huh. Okay. I mean, I got eight tons for 2,400 square feet because it's two zones, so I, I should be good by just putting the new fiberglass on. Yeah. Go, go with the fiberglass and be done. Uh, formaldehyde-free fiberglass. Uh-huh. Okay. What do you think that should run me by putting new fiberglass insulation in? Oh, gosh. How big a house did you say? 2,400 square feet. You know, you'll, you'll probably spend a couple thousand dollars. Uh-huh. Okay. About a dollar, dollar twenty-five a square foot. That's about it. Yeah. Okay. Well, Sam, you have a great weekend. You too. Thanks so much. Bye bye. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to thipro.com.